Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 91. Quiet week, but there's always something going on. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, While proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. Another quiet week pertaining to XFL developments. This week, we have two guests. Defensive back Cordell Jackson joins the show to discuss his journey and the Orlando Guardians acquiring his rights. We also have Gateway City Sports contributor Will Freeman joining the show to discuss the increasing number of XFL 2023 players signing National Football League contracts. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On August 21st, Orlando Sentinel journalist Stefan Hudak reported Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings favors Florida Citra Sports' $800 million proposal to renovate Camping World Stadium and the task force recommendation to fund the project. Demings' message to the board to fund both the expansion and stadium upgrade, however, dividing the two aspects into phases and initially funding only the first phase of both. According to the mayor's plan, adding a canopy roof would not be included in the first phase. Phase 1 would get $400 million to replace the upper deck terraces and add a 100,000-square-foot field house, a multi-purpose community space projected to host more than 100 events annually. On August 22nd, Orlando Sentinel journalist Stefan Hudak reported after a long and feisty discussion, Orange County commissioners decided to postpone making a decision on how to spend tourist tax dollars. Board members claim they need more time to review memos from Mayor Demings, Comptroller Phil Diamond, and fellow commissioners Myra Yerby and Emily Benilia. The board agreed to hold a special workshop to review the memos and proposals. The date for the workshop has not been scheduled yet. Unfortunately, it appears we won't have a decision anytime soon, let alone know how these potential renovations might impact the Orlando Guardians. As I had previously mentioned, we will now be joined by defensive back Cordell Jackson to discuss his football journey and rights being secured by the Orlando Guardians. Welcome, Cordell. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss your journey and being assigned to the Orlando Guardians. Hey, how you doing? I appreciate you having me. It's a pleasure. It always is. I love connecting with new people, especially the players, to kind of get a, 
a feel of who's coming into the league. Sometimes we don't know everybody. And it's like, okay, well, now who's on my team, right? My my favorite team. Who am I rooting for? And it's kind of nice to get that because we don't always get the backstory leading up into the XFL season. So before we get started here, I believe it would be beneficial for our listeners if we began with some of your backstory to provide everyone with a better understanding of who you are as a person and a player. I understand you played your collegiate ball at Division One FCS, Austin Pay State University. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you, without getting into it, we're going to let you share some of your accolades and stuff. But you <laughs> a laundry list of items there. So I don't want to steal your thunder. This is your story. This is your journey. So can you walk us through how you were introduced to football? Like, when did you start playing it? And your recruitment into the college, like what schools were interested in and whatnot, and then ultimately your college experience. So here's your soapbox. Here's your moment. Yeah, I got you. Well, we start off. I was introduced playing football. First, my my older brother played. Um, he played football when I well when I was born, and my mom was like the park mom, so she was always involved in football, involved in the park. So I really had no choice either. Either I was going to play, or I was going to watch, and there's no fun just watching. So I actually, um, I was I was I was going to practice at three years old, full pads. They kept kicking me out of practice, but it got to a point where they was like, "All right, he's going to be here, so we might as well just let him play." So I got the chance. I didn't, I wouldn't contact or anything, but I got the chance to dress out and just be a part of the team at three years old. And ever since then, that's that's just what I love to do. And I knew that was going to be a passion of mine. Started in high school. I didn't really start until my senior year, but my sophomore year is when I kind of hit the scene as far as people knew I was going to be a player. Uh, second game of the year. We were playing the number two team in the state, Pleasant Grove, and I had ended up getting a game-winning sack. Wasn't starting or anything. I, one of our guys got hurt at the fourth quarter, and I and I just happened to be ready to play. And I just prepared like I was going to play, and I just wanted to play. So when I got the opportunity, I just went out there and did what I was told to do, ended up getting a sack. Then junior year, the guy who got hurt, he was a starter for four years, so he had came back, and I just really was learning from him doing everything I could as far as just learning the game and learning how to be a leader, learning the plays and everything like that. And then senior year is when I got the chance. I had, I believe, 10 interceptions my senior year, but I still wasn't heavily recruited. I played both sides of the ball, receiver, returner, and I played DB. I had two, I believe, D1 offers. My first offer was from Austin P. the day before our championship game in high school. And I got another one from North Alabama who was making the transition to Division One, So that means we wasn't going to be eligible for a championship. And I like to win. I love to win. So uh, the right choice for me was for Austin P. And then going into Austin P. my freshman year, I started off as a four on the depth chart in the summer. By camp, I was the two. Well, splitting reps with the ones. And by the first game versus Cincinnati, I was starting as a true freshman. And had the opportunity to play all four years. Throughout my four or five years, I was a two-time consensus All-American, a defense player of the year for the OVC. I, I was blessed. Um, I can't continue the story without giving the credit where it's supposed to be, and that's giving the credit to God and him blessing me with the ability and making the right choices and just following him and letting him lead the way. But, um, yeah, then my senior year, uh, everything was going well. Then I had ended up getting hurt versus Ole Miss. 
Uh, I had two sacks the game going into halftime. I had two sacks. I got hurt before the half. And I thought it was just, you know, some you was just going to run off, but it had ended up being a torn meniscus or a torn lateral meniscus. So I had to, I tried to play as long as I could. And I just knew I wasn't myself. I knew I was hurting the team. And I knew we weren't going to have a chance to win the championship. So I decided to get ready and go have surgery and get ready for the upcoming pro day that I was going to have. And pro day did not go how I wanted to. End up getting a mini camp invite from the Saints and the Ravens. That whole process was just, the Ravens had told me, just stay ready, stay in touch. Well, stay ready and be ready. So that's what I was doing. And they end up taking a year off. I got a chance to become a DC at a high school level uh, with my head coach that I won the championship with in high school at Shades Valley. And that really gave me the opportunity to learn and really learn in depth with the game, learn from a coaching aspect, learn what the coaches want from players and what players need from coaches. And it just really took my game to another level. And then I got the opportunity to play in the IFL, the arena, the indoor football league and was able to make a statement there, become defensive rookie of the year, first-team all-IFL, first-team rookie. And now I got the opportunity to get a chance to play with the Orlando Guardians, get back outside, and just have fun, man, doing what I love to do, and just continue to make a name for myself and continue to grow. I was going to say, you have that laundry list of accolades, right, collegiate. And even, I was eventually going to get into the IFL. Yes, and- sir. Just talk about, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes people's careers just don't go how they want it. Like you said, you you know, you anticipated doing X, Y, and Z. Maybe it just doesn't go how, how you want it to. And the offers that come are not exactly the offers that you're hoping for. Minicamp is still an opportunity. And yeah, sure. we know the XFL is a league of opportunity. And, you know, it's the way it's advertised. And it obviously has been. We've seen 60-some players, almost 70 players, sign to National Football League contracts after this first season. So it's obviously – any opportunity to get on the field or yeah, even say yeah. get on the team, like you said, in high school, like and stay ready, all that type of things. It's very important. And it's, I think it's an overplayed message, but I don't think some people realize how important it is because some people are not ready for when the opportunity does present itself. And it may be when you least expect it, but if you're always ready, then you have at least that chance to cash in on that opportunity. And so yes, here you are. The opportunity of the IFL came up with the Frisco Fighters. Can you kind of walk us through that transition from being a collegiate player to becoming a professional player? How did that opportunity come about? You know, obviously you talked about your mini camp, but how else did you get linked up with getting the IFL and the Frisco Fighters' attention and ultimately the interest to, you know, ink the paper, so to speak? Uh, yes, sir. So during that process, when I was with a year off, I was collecting my film and sending messages out to the XFL, USFL, because I knew that they were just getting started and that it was going to be a good league to be in. Um, so I was sending my film out, sending my sending messages, telling them how much I love the game, so telling them how much I want the opportunity to give them a little background on myself. And one of the coaches directed me to the Frisco Fighters. She, they said that it was going to be a great opportunity because all the teams stayed in Texas. So it will be your availability and your reliability are two things that people look for. And if you're close, you it's, it's only a drive, 30-minute drive away to get there. So she was just explaining the situation, and it, it sounded good to me. And then I also had a teammate of mine from high school, Justin Wizenhunt, who had signed with the Frisco Fighters 
I believe. And he had actually given me Coach Billy Back's number, well, uh, Instagram. And so from there, I sent him, I sent him my film. I told him I had an opportunity for the mini camps. I told him my resume from college. And from there, he gave me a chance. He took a chance on me. And, and then here we are now. Were you aware of the IFL-XFL partnership they had signed prior to inking that and ultimately playing in the IFL for the Frisco Fighters? Uh, no, I, I found out that out later. Um, I really just wanted to play football again because coaching was fun, but I just knew I had plenty to give back to the game. And I just love to play, and I, I wanted to continue to play. So that's really my main drive was I just wanted to play football again. You had an opportunity, you took it, but sometimes it's just kind of interesting how those partnerships align for where you're at today. So that kind of brings me to my next question. I didn't have all the rosters of who participated at the XFL Combine in Arlington, Texas. That was just well, not quite a month ago or about a month ago now that it's yes, the 26th. Sir. And then obviously on August 4th, the IFL to XFL Combine was held in Henderson, Nevada in conjunction yes, with the IFL Championship game. So. Did you participate in either one of those combines? No, sir, I didn't. The reason I didn't participate in the Arlington one is because we had a big game, a semifinal game that day, and I knew I wasn't trained as far as forty, as far as broad, as far as bent. I knew I wasn't training for it, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to go out there and have a bad showing and, and possibly hurt. So I did sign up for it when I got the invite because I thought at least I could talk to some coaches while I'm out there, and that's when I had talked to Orlando. But it comes to find out that one of my old coaches from Austin P had knew one of the coaches for the Orlando Guardians. And so that connection allowed me to have a relationship with the Orlando Guardians that I didn't even know I had until I talked to him. So that's really in, in the, with the Nevada camp. It was the same thing. I knew I was banged up from the game as far as bruises. And stuff, so I wasn't going to be 100 percent. So I didn't want to go out there and hurt my stock, knowing that my film that I had from um, the IFL could possibly help me in a sense. So this is a true testament to the body of work that you put in, not just the additional work that you did through a combine, which obviously the team staff and coaching staffs are all there diving in on the XFL combine. And I believe I heard there was only one representative per team at the IFL to XFL combine, but this is a true testament to you. And the work that you actually did, not only collegially and what film you had stockpiled, but what you did as a rookie in the indoor football league in getting those accolades of defensive, you know, rookie of the year and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, kudos, really, I'm not here just to pat you on the back, but that's got to make you feel good. It's not like you had to do the additional step or two. It kind of worked out. Yes, connections. That's life, right? Sometimes yeah. it's who you know. You definitely still have to have the body of work to support it. But, yeah, you sure. know, that's why it's important to build connections and always have good standing with whether it's your coaches or whoever, right? Yeah, I mean, that's important. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I, maybe we're, I'm just stating the obvious here. And maybe the listener is like, of course. But I think some people, and I always have other players reaching out to me, Cordell, that are always kind of like, hey, what can I do? What do I, you know, blah, blah, you know, I get it. It's sometimes it's not anything outside the norm. It's seeing what's in front of you and just making sure that when you do have that opportunity to slide into somebody's DM, or if you get a phone number to text message, make sure you maximize the best of your ability. And it is sometimes you came recommended from so-and-so. 
it's not just the name drop, but it's the truth if somebody's done that. And that's the connection. It's yes, smart play. So, you know, obviously I'm kind of just talking about what seems obvious, but you know, that's, that's really cool. So how did that foot in the door? How did you know at what point that this became a reality that when they were securing rights to players, I mean, some people say it was a draft. Some people say, oh, it might not have been exactly a draft. How did you find out that one, this is a good possibility too, that it happened? Well, during the season, I knew I had some pretty good numbers and I had some interest because of, because some of the teams came to games when they were in town. So I knew I had some interest, but it really became reality when I had got the invite for, to the Exafield combine that was in Arlington. Cause you know, they, they hand pick you for that. So I knew, I knew it was a possibility. And then I had a meeting. Um, I saw the list with the meeting names and my my name was on the list. It wasn't really a long list. So those are guys that people were really interested in. So after I talked to coach, um, coach Buckley, a uh, great conversation. He's a great guy, man. He kept it honest with me. He said, we're probably going to get your rights. Uh, how do you feel about it? And I was, of course, I was excited. I, I'm ready to play again. I'm ready to be outside and show what I can do outside. And I had finally got the phone. Well, actually, I think it was a tweet or something that had got deleted that had said they got my rights, but it wasn't completely true because I can't remember what the situation was, but it wasn't completely true. And then I had got the phone call from coach Buckley while I was out to eat. And when he told me I was excited, man, I'm just ready to get back to work. Talking about getting ready to get back to work. We had some reports that here in September, which is obviously just a few days away, but about the midway point of the month, we're starting to potentially there's going to be some, mini camps some workouts is there anything on the horizon in the short term that you might be participating with the orlando guardians or are you blessed to have a little bit of time off until training camp hits in january uh we don't we don't really have any details or anything yet but i do know uh if it is something a mini camp or something that I, i'm still working out i'm still getting my body back in shape well staying in shape because we just had a season so still in pretty good shape but just working on some outdoor movements, some longer patterns to try to help because, you know, the indoor game was so quick. Everything happened so quick. So just trying to work on more outdoor game, get my technique better from outdoor. And if it is something that's going to be coming up, I should be ready for it. So speaking of the indoor game, you mentioned how quick it was. Yes, sir. From the indoor game is impacting you as a player and what you bring to the table now to the Orlando Guardians and the XFL. Main thing I took away from the indoor game is patience. You got um, receivers running 10 yards head speed. Well, 10 yard head start, gaining speed, which you just got to, it helped me read receivers and it helped me with patience because you really can't move until they cross the line because if you start moving any time before, you're going to give up the quick game. So really just just being patient, I think that will definitely help me with outdoor because nobody's running full speed at you before the ball is snapped. So I feel like that, as far as that aspect, and as far as, like I said, quickness, just getting in and out of my breaks, making plays on balls um, and ball uh, awareness and ball skills also. All right. I'm a season ticket holder for the Orlando Guardians. Just letting you know, I drive <laughs> I drive about three hours to attend these games with my wife. I'm not the only one, all right? There's a bunch of people I've connected with that also make long drives, so. Not trying to pull out pressure on it. We obviously didn't have a good season <laughs> last year, right? One and nine. I got you. Okay. But they got very competitive towards the end. So there is some hope within the Guardian fan base here. I'm not going to lie. 
what can we expect from you as a player? Those that haven't had a chance to watch you in college, those that haven't had a chance to see you play in the IFL, what can we anticipate from you now being a guardian and what you're going to bring on the field come February? Yeah, sure. I plan on bringing just uh, unbelievable love and passion for the game. I play the game with a lot of love and a lot of passion and a lot of emotion. So uh, I feel like that's exciting to watch as well when you make plays, just having fun with your teammates, having fun with the game. And, and that's what I plan on bringing, uh, a winning attitude, a championship mindset. Because I, like I said, I love to win. And anything other than a win is, is unacceptable. Lastly, have you yes, connected sir. with any of your new teammates? Are you connected on social media? Or are you kind of just, hey, nice to meet you? So you just kind of yes, sir. I got the- uh, Mark is uh, Murphy, I believe. Is that is that one of the DBs? That's one of the DBs, correct? Yeah, I I, I got a touch from Marcus, man. He's a great dude. Looks like a great leader. I feel like I feel like we should connect pretty well. That's really one of the only guys. Yes, sir. That's all good. You still have time. It's still early, right? I mean, you. Doesn't hurt, you know, just drop DMs, connecting whoever you can. And, yes, you know, sir. here's the other thing. We don't know who's all coming back. There's still opportunities with the National Football League with some of these guys. So it's got to hope for the best for each one of these guys to pursue of their course. dreams, right? So it's like, who knows who's actually coming back? But we know you're coming into the fold, so we're looking pretty forward to that. So, yes, sir. I'm um, very excited. Last thing. Have you inked the contract yet? No, sir. Not yet. <laughs> not a little bit of work to do yes sir of course you still got you got to prove yourself everywhere you go you have to oh i get it i get it it's just but you don't want that keeps you hungry it keeps you motivated yes, and that's good it doesn't get you to sit back on your heels and and pack on a few pounds and, and miss out so yeah. all is good well cordell it has been a pleasure and i appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show perhaps maybe later on down the road when you do make the team and we get to see you in the heck maybe even in orlando at one of the the games you know, we can just connect, meet in person, but more importantly, maybe come back onto the show and discuss what your XFL in Orlando's Guardians experience is like. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love to come back, man. All right. I look forward to it. But before I let you go, if you don't mind, can you take a moment and let our listeners know where they can find you and follow you on social media accounts? Yes, yeah, sir. My Instagram is CordellJ15. That's K-O-R-D-E-L-L-J-15. And my Twitter is CordellJackson2. So there you go. All right. Good deal. Perfect. Thank you, Cordell. God, I appreciate you. I am grateful to have the opportunity to share Cordell's story. I believe he is a young, talented player and a rising star. Definitely someone to keep an eye on as XFL training camps approach. I have a feeling his name is one we will hear a lot of in the future. As I have also previously mentioned, we will now be joined by Gateway City Sports contributor Will Freeman to discuss the increasing number of XFL 2023 players signing National Football League contracts. Will is someone who XFL fans are likely aware of. In addition to his contributions to Gateway City Sports, he frequently appeared on the XFL STL talk show before co-hosting the That's Football Show. Welcome, Will. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss the increasing number of XFL 2023 players signing National Football League contracts and its likely impact on the XFL. Thank you for having me on, Mike. And as a recording, it looks like we have about 66 NFL contracts. I can't remember called the players. I think there was a few couple re-signings 
Though there was that one fun, funny sign that someone signed, then the next day they got cut to release. So it's kind of interesting to re- try to remember all the NFL contract signs in the mind with all the changing stuff that's going on. Well, we'll get into it, but you know, I must apologize because I don't know why it's taken me so long to coordinate something with you to have you appear on the show because we have been following one another and even messaging back and forth for quite some time now. So, I mean, like, it's kind of weird that it's taken so long. I just can't believe it's taken this long, you know, but finally the wait is over. So welcome to episode 91. Okay. That it's taken that long, 91 episodes. But so close to a hundred there. Congratulations. Got some work still, you know, that's it's, it's still a grind, you know, let's not you know, count our, our eggs yet or count our chickens, right? Until they all hatch. So we'll dive right kind of back in this. Although I know who you are and the contributions you've been making to the football community, I believe it would be beneficial for our listeners if you took a moment and shared some of your background and the media work that you've done to help provide them with a better understanding of why I have brought you onto the show to discuss this matter. Well, it's kind of interesting because like I've been following the football world space for a while. I played in it both high school and college and for Herculean high school and central Methodist university. I actually was a three sport athlete, which is now kind of rare these days. Unfortunately, those are curious football heavyweight in wrestling and floor and track and field. And I just been following football, like not just as a fan person, but also like, you know, business and also the scouting. Cause it was always fun when the Rams were here in St. Louis, when they draft, like who, okay, what school did they go to? What were their stats? So on therefore, like I really followed now who's now retired from the post-dispatch uh, beat writer, Jim Thomas, who was really good, especially during the greatest show on turf days. And I got into this actually kind of a funny story. Like this really wasn't more like a financial thing. It like jumped into because back in 2000, it was either 18 or 19 because it was at, this was a few years after St. Louis lost the Rams. And I'll just say in a not good fashion and Arrington lane, like I comment on their show when back then it was the ST XFL STL talk show. Now it's the X fan show nowadays. And he contacted me on Twitter to ask if I was interested in contributing with the show. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm usually, I'm not really like the in front type. I'm usually the quiet guy in the back. Like, like usually like I'm the lineman in the football uh, defense, like a nose guard. All I do is like do my play, go to whistle. It's not like I don't really follow what, what's in the crowd or like the quarterback or wide receiver type person. Like, you could talk, a lot of people realize I'm quiet, though, funny thing, somehow I was popular in high school without doing much, so take that as you will. I guess it's my good personality, I guess. And and it was just fun with, like, not with just football coming back to St. Louis, but just, like, trying to figure out, like, the signings and just looking at the how the business stuff with football, because... Like that always fascinates me because uh, my background when I graduated from Central Methodist University was in business with a minor in education. And I always been fascinated with the business side of it because like it's not just getting the town on the field. You also have to get tickets. You have to promote and all sorts of stuff nowadays, which, of course, we could say marketing was a little bit of a problem with the XFL last year. But that's they're hopefully going to fix that this year. But I just like football and just. And like, as I told you with our previous conversations, I always wondered if, because as of right now, football is king of sports right now in the USA. 
And you're always wondering what could cause it to go down. And of course, it would be, of course, the injuries. The because as much as we like high school football, the actual people doing it, it has gone down a bit. And so hopefully they are trying to put the game internationally, which is kind of the reason I think, well, that's probably why they're doing international so they have more people playing. Because now they're trying to get more safety now with those new helmets and starting practice that decreased concussions even for NFL practices. So that's one good step I'm hoping. And then also try to get more like athletic people because like even there are some people that just stick to basketball or soccer, like call them do football or some other sport that could help you try to do training in other sports as well. So that's how I got in this space. Yeah, and you've done a bunch of work on different platforms. So you know, without diving into all of it, but I'm like, you've been doing a number of things. So that's how we connected. And, you know, we've just been messaging back and forth for a while. But I thought for those that may not be aware of you, it's just good to kind of get an idea of who you are, because some people are like, okay, he's just got a guy. What's this guy's background? And why is he chatting, you know, about this particular <laughs> topic? Yeah, of course. It's kind of funny, too, because like I said, I'm not like really the standard front type, like I said, but it. I will say doing this kind of helps help my social development better because, like, I'm talking more with, and, like, if you see me around, I'll talk to you just that I'll be a little bit nervous. Of course, from what my family told me, I've inherited that from my grandfather, who actually was a former high school principal. So it's kind of weird that type of person I became, had that type of career. And in the end, he has a tree planted in, in memorial of his service right across from when I graduated high school. So <laughs> something to hold, something to keep an eye on in the future, I guess. Well, we'll kind of dive into this football talk. Hopefully, it won't, it'll keep you from dealing with no jitters or anything. So, we'll just dive into the things that, you know, we're passionate about. So, now, you know, that we're multiple months into the XFL offseason, and with each passing day, you know, more XFL 2023 players are signing National Football League contracts. This is obviously good publicity for the XFL, and we mm-hmm. can dive into that a bit later. But, you know, at the moment, let's focus on the signings. And, you know, you had mentioned, I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's 66 is what I had counted. I had seen a couple other people mentioning 63, 64. But when I went back, I was counting them. It was 66 is what I came up with as of today's recording, which, just so everyone knows, it is Thursday evening. And, uh, yeah, obviously we dropped these episodes on Monday. So just so everyone knows, there may be a signing or two before the week's out, before you get a chance to listen to this. But that's pretty interesting because this number is significantly higher than previous XFL iterations. Why do you believe we are seeing this increase? One thing that we do know is that after when we record this, just the last week, we had three coaches. I only remember two of them, Tomlin and also Coach Belichick brings the good thing of having spring football because those guys are actually ready to go football shape. And also just that the one thing that always boggles my mind when watching the NFL, especially when it came to Rams and St. Louis, is that, that how do some way they just not miss talent? Because you would think that you they don't miss, but we wouldn't have bus otherwise. And the one thing is, while I was at Central Memphis University, I actually saw a scout from the Minnesota Vikings actually work out three of the college players there back in 08 and 09. And I was like, this is kind of interesting, what's going on here. And I see a guy wearing all this Vikings gear, and they're actually working about, if I remember correctly, it was two linebackers and a quarterback. 
And they were just scouting the players, get more information. They might get drafted. More than likely, it would have been undrafted signings because it was pretty hard for even an NAIA player to get drafted in the NFL. The last one that I know of was locally here was former cornerback that was with the Cleveland Browns, Pierre Desir from Lindawood. And Lindawood now is a D1 AA school that came in there last year, and now they're going to get better talent that way. And course believe it or not there you can't really s- sleep on naia heck one of the best naai athletes is one of the best pros not in football but in basketball which is scotty pippen and he became a hall of famer so you can't sleep on any division when it comes to sports no i agree i don't try to agree just to agree i mean there's uh, there's a reason why in the lead up to this past season i dove into players of all different backgrounds it didn't matter if you were D3, D2, if you were, you know, FCS, D1, non-Power 5, you know, FBS. It, or I dug in and connected with some NAIA players for that reason because there are D3 players that play in the National Football League. I'm not acting like it's an overwhelming number, but at one point there was one that was on the offensive line for the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. It's just, it's one of those things that it doesn't matter what level. There is talent everywhere. It does get missed. It's mind boggling a little bit, especially with the modern day. You know, we talk about film, how important it is, but everyone's got a camera on their phone these days and things always go viral. However, they go viral, end up on YouTube and whatever rumble now, these other things that pop up. So it's kind of, to me, for it to be missed in this age. And we're not just talking about 2023. We could have been 2022, 2021, 2020. You know, this is all modern where all these phones had cameras and everyone had access to uploading stuff right off their phone with the internet. So that does kind of surprise me. But, you know, when it comes back to hearing these coaches making those comments, I'm like, well, hold on, time out. 2020? Yes, it was a shortened season. 2019, again, yes, it was a shortened season. These guys were all coming out. Uh, they were in game shape. They went through their full training camps. I know it's, it's shorter compared to the National Football Leagues, but they had five weeks of football, seven weeks of football. What is it about this particular one? I mean, and maybe we don't have the answer. Maybe I'm digging a little deeper, but it's just it's odd because there is the other league that's getting signings too. Not that I'm opposed to saying the other league, the USFL. Okay, but I'm just saying. No, of course not. It's over 100 signings, right? I don't have to be a USFL podcast, but I was just like, usually just, what is it about this time around? Is it, it took so many iterations from back the XFL 2001's version. Is it just to be like, okay, we'll toss that stigma away. Is it finally that we've gotten away with, it's football. Why are we branding it subpar? Because I I think there is something here, and I might be planting the seed with you. I think it does come back to what you were saying with high schools, where you were saying how we have a lower number of people actually playing the sport. Now, I think people are going to be like, what do you mean? There's more college programs. Okay, I agree. At the high school level, we don't. Mm -mm. What is it now that why these guys are getting significant looks? I mean, do you do you think there's a, a deeper reason t- beyond what we've heard a couple of these coaches mentioning? Another reason could be like, because you have to remember when it comes with football, you have that one thing that 
And it's one thing that I learned after watching draft day, the scouting department, because they need to make money too. And you, you and scouts want to make sure that they stay and have their job and they want to make sure they find the best talent as possible. But let, give me give you an example here. Like that's mind boggling to me because like we just had the XFL just had their combine draft. And like I follow about Hawks deeply because they're the local team, but ours too. But this one is kind of interesting because one of their draft picks, offensive guard Cedrice Palliot, I hope I did not it, <laughs> mispronounce his last name, a guard from Marshall, also played for Rutgers and Delaware uh, Valley. He was actually one of three, thanks to James Larson, to point that out today. And he was participating in the combine, did not get involved in any rookie minicamp or sign an undrafted free agent contract with the NFL. Here's the thing. He did not allow a single sack his last two seasons in college play. And I'm like, you would think that would cause some NFL scouts to raise their eyes and be like, how did he do this? This seems like a guy we should bring in, especially if you have a stat, which is more important for linemen nowadays, a zero in sacks allowed. So it's kind of mind-boggling. Like, I'm happy the Bowhawks got him, but it's like, how did they miss this guy? I, I don't know. It's like I said, film is out there. And I know yeah. some people have less of it than others. And the other aspect is getting it in front of people. I understand. And maybe people's approaches, they don't go about it wrong. And things end up, even if you email it and DM it and all these different things, it's ending up in spam folders or whatever. Okay. I, there's a number of things that could be happening, but it's out there. And when things go viral, you would think these scouts, members of coaching staffs, whatever, personnel departments that are always looking for stuff would be coming across something. If this is what you do 24 seven, you would think you'd be coming across all these things that just kind of go viral. Okay. And I'm not going to get into like, we know that one guy, you know, whether you, you like his music or not, whether you, you agree with it or not, one guy just somehow ended up on the Apple top 10 with multiple songs. And the guy's never had a recording thing. And it all came off from like just YouTube video that went viral and everyone else digging. Trust me, it's out there and things go viral, however it goes viral. So I'm like, I'm kind of surprised, you know, somebody that didn't have any sacks for two seasons didn't get picked up and brought into camp, you know, mini camp much sooner or at least a private workout or whatever. So, I mean, that, that is surprising. But, you know, I, I don't want to discredit anything because, you know, as an XFL show, you know, it's sometimes it's easier to be a homer, right? And that's or to be, you know, one of the minions, so to speak. So don't get me wrong. I thought the XFL 2023 season and the quality of play was great. Mm-hmm. No, however, with the USFL in the mix, you know, and just looking at raw numbers, I thought fewer XFL players would probably get the signings just because, okay, we got two leagues, right? Forget about all the indoor arena leagues that are going on, you know, with Europe having the ELF on top of, we already have the Canadian football league, right? It just seems like there's a plethora of leagues. We got leagues south of the border. That are even another one's popping up that looks like it's going to be the IFA, which is going to be mm-hmm. split between Mexico and the United States. So we know we're in this growth, this boom period. You know, looking at these, I just thought, you know, maybe you wouldn't see as many XFL players, but the XFL players are the one that have the largest number that are being signed, as we had alluded to, the 66 that we could calculate. I think it bodes well for the XFL being the top league of those signings. Now, you have already alluded to this. There have been multiple National Football League head coaches who have publicly shared praising comments, almost endorsing, you know, the XFL and the USFL. 
So just to, you know, mention a few, you've already had, but I had what Denver's Broncos head coach, Sean Payton, Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell. We had New England mm-hmm. Patriots, Bill Belichick, Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. I'm sure there's others. I mean, maybe I just haven't caught them all. We just haven't seen this with previous professional alternative football leagues. Why now, all of a sudden, it's not just the signings. Why now do we have all these head coaches in front of a mic or whatever claiming, you know, what they are? Like, come on, it's not rocket science. These guys have been playing years before these other leagues have existed. These guys have been coming in the same shape. So what's different today and warrants it now? You know, I I don't know. Maybe I'm digging too deep on these things because it just seems kind of awkward that now it's like a, a come part, part of my it's a come to Jesus moment. You know what I'm saying for them that they've aha they have finally seen the light. It's a possibility because unfortunately, because now I'm in my 30s <laughs> and like you know, like oh man, I wish I could have gone back done thing, done something different and. It's probably like one reason is for coaches like you want to try to find the best so you can win because that's the number one thing when it comes to football. You need to win, <laughs> be that one team at the end of out of all the 32 and be able to get prestige and everything, money, so on and so forth. Like you said, XFL's got a little bit more signings than the USFL. Of course, I put some of that because of the timing since both of them one end sooner than the other, but sure. also too. Also, too, when you look at the play style with the XFL and USFL, like XFL, each team has their own identity. When it comes to the USFL, this isn't a bad thing. They each kind of play almost a similar style, especially when it comes to the run game. I will say that when it comes to the USFL, because about every team usually has a running back that goes over 100 yards with run, 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 and course. Unfortunately, the running back position is not as top priority as it is in the NFL, unfortunately. But even though I say that and Brian Hill from the Battlehawks just signed a contract with the 49ers a few days ago. So, of course, now the running back position now is more kind of like going because we kind of got away from the Todd Gurley type power back. And now we're going to more of the balance back to the Marshall Falk type with the running and catching and blocking and so forth. So it's interesting because the game of football has always gone like changes to this and changes back to this and changes all that because, heck, now we got quarterbacks not only just have to be a pocket passer, they need to be mobile now. And that is a fact, (laughs) especially if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, each of their quarterbacks want one through four, have both all that capability. And you look at Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and those types. And and for everyone that saw the NFL draft this year, the top three quarterbacks fit that mold. <laughs> so we're going through that type of change course. I think now we're going to get, when it comes to like linemen, like offensive line, it's still the power brute force type of thing. But defensive line, you have to have both speed and power now in order to because even though the quarterback is still number one and they protected handily when it comes to officiating, you still need to have someone in order to put pressure and sack the quarterback. Well, it's everything's about quarterback, whether you're it's your quarterback being a successful quarterback or the team up against a successful quarterback to limit or stop that quarterback, right? Everything is off quarterback. Like we know that. So whether it's protecting it with your offensive line, whether it's the defensive line, right? 100% speed, strength, all that. So I know it's the preseason. 
mm-hmm. the National Football League. And most of the team starters are either seeing limited time or they're not playing. Yet, there have been some solid performances by XFL 2023 players. Most notably, mm-hmm. I'd have to say, the Seattle Sea Dragons defensive end, Nico Lalos, with uh-huh. a, playing with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, one game alone, I don't know anybody in the football world that wasn't talking about his performance. Right? Yeah, he, and... It's preseason, though, right? So I'm, I'm trying to be realistic. Yeah. But now on the flip side, we know every one of these players will not stick, whether it be Mm-mm. securing a place on the active 53-player roster or finding a spot on practice squads. So we know everyone will not stick one way or the other. And we've already seen it with St. Louis Battlehawks, Akeem Butler being cut by the Pittsburgh Steelers due to injury, but there are always yeah, a number, right? I'm just being fair, but we're always going to see various reasons as to why not. So everyone's not going to stick. It's not like the King Butler did so well. They're like, okay, we're just going to put him on like the IR and we're going to sit tight. I think they elected to cut him. Okay. For whatever reason. Right. And we, we can dive into a million reasons why, but just for sake of moving on, we'll leave it at that. So being realistic, we know people are in the really good shape coming into the camp, but we also got to look at who they're playing against. Right. And the, so let's be realistic. How many of these 66 signings or whoever might sign tomorrow and whatnot, it's not over, but this is the last week in a preseason. So I can't anticipate much more signing. How many do you anticipate actually sticking with national football league teams for the 2023 NFL season? And you're talking about the active roster, correct? Not the practice squad. <sighs> yeah. Let's, let's focus on the 53 player roster first. I'm sure there will be some guys on practice, but I just don't know how many of these 66 they don't make either. But I mean, have at it. Whatever you think. Well, when it comes to the active roster, the number one players that are safe for sure are the ones that are on special teams. You know, the kicker, the punter, and the long snapper. That, because those are positions are few and far between. And those actually have a higher one, because I believe the punter from the DC Defenders, which went to Green Bay, he's still up there. I believe the Brahma's kicker went to Detroit, if I remember correctly, and he's still on there. So he's probably going to make it. Uh, there's another the long- kicker, and he's not getting as much time now in the preseason. So will Parker Romo actually get it in Detroit? I mean, again, I don't know. I'm sorry I'm cutting you off, but I'm like, it's not clear cut. There's still a couple guys on some of those rosters. And I can guarantee this because the most interchangeable position is the kicker. And we're probably going to see a lot here, a lot of XFL kickers getting tried out. Hell, the one guy from why am I losing his name right now that was with in St. Louis, but with Dallas this year, I am surprised he did not get any looks this time around. You would think with a, a big of a leg with not just distance, but just like the drag of the ball, he would get some more looks. Apparently not. I'm once again, why if I would have to guess that, like, I guess this is a guess. Cause see things can happen. Cause there'll probably be more signs throughout the season, probably due to either poor play Number one is injury. That oh, is definitely for number one for injury. And not just those current. There could be because a few players that just got drafted or with, that we claim right for that. But like, well, we missed this. Hell, the one guy from uh, was at the St. Louis showcase that I was at and performed well at the combine for offensive line. Lacobe. Lacobe Tucker. Like, he, yep. I believe he's still on with the Falcons and the Falcons. That's them and the Steelers. I can't recall what which is one or two. 
they signed the most out of everyone when it came to spring football this year. And of course, Steelers, I do believe in Tomlin here and they they'll probably figure it out. Now Atlanta, uh, they need all the help they can get to be quite honest. So yeah, I see why they did that. If I were to have to guess like overall, like 66, the highest that I would go would be at least 25%. That's just a guess. Cause with, with the practice clause and we have to remember those are limited too. that increase ever since COVID. Like I was double checking with my notes here. Each practice squad for each team is 16 players. So you got that spot there. And then if if people don't know how much they get paid, if you're year one or two guy, rookie or first year, it's 11, five, 50 hundred per week. And then after that, it's 15,400 per week. And it just depends because practice squad players just rotate out of oblivion so many times. Like, it's very rare that a player stays on the whole practice squad roster that whole year because now those players have an option either do I take the futures contract or do I go to either the XFL, USFL, or do Arena League, any Arena League nowadays to get some because I can't recall which one said it. I believe it was Troy Vincent of the NFL. It's either the scouting or some other department. I can't recall what type of – I can't remember his position. And he even said that the best way for players to get better is actual game time plays, not just practice. Like practice, you could just do so much. They need to have game time experience. Well, it comes to a point in practice where you may not be all suited up in pads and helmets. Mm-hmm. And we know once the season's underway, there's going to be very limited you know, run-throughs where you're actually going to have contact. So the, these National Football League teams or any other league for that matter, are going to try to reduce and limit injuries. And once people already have knocks and have a lingering injury, they're going to roll them out. That's why we see a lot of guys did not practice, did not practice. Limited. And limited might just mean they were out there in their shorts and you know cleats and just kind of do some walkthrough stuff. It's not even, we get that. And coming back to the practice squad, like you said, that people just don't stay on them. That's largely because of the turnover. As teams are releasing players, whether it's based off injuries and signing somebody else up, that player off a 53-man roster goes to waivers, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean he just gets now reduced down to their own team's practice squad. But now other teams are going to be, oh, well, we want him, whether he, if his health is still good, because he can contribute right now. Well, now we're going to cut somebody else, somebody else, but then that starts to shift around. Well, active players eventually start hitting practice squads. So if you're a practice squad guy, well, guess what? You got to free up a spot. So now you're going to get, re- you know, released off the practice squad so they could put this guy that's been on an active roster someplace or the other guy that got released because it's just, it's, it's just trickle down effect that constantly has a practice squads in turmoil. Right. And that's why these players just don't have it. But, you know, you're right. There's money to be had here because the XFL is not paying right now. I'm just saying mm-hmm. not until the season gets started up. The USFL is not paying right now until the season starts to back up. And we're kind of late in the game for the CFL. I mean, are you going to try to run up there and try to, I mean, that's not always easy. They have their roster restrictions for foreign players. So, that, I mean, that's going to be a little dicey you know it's so, yeah. I mean, like, there's there's a number of reasons why if you can get on a practice squad it's advantageous to do so for yourself financially but you know unless you're 
lingering some injuries, maybe don't push yourself through it so you can have a chance to go back to a league like the XFL, the USFL. I think it's just good to talk it through because, one, what do we think? You and I don't have a crystal ball. I get it. but uh, and, and it's probably really unfair to ask some of these questions. But I know this is a lot of questions that a lot of people have, and some of the people will just don't have the knowledge of how this works, like the 53 players, the 16 players on a practice squad. Why would they want to be on a practice squad? Well, money. Money still talks. And if you're not making Mm -hmm. millions of dollars, you're still chasing a dollar to feed your family. But it's not only that, you're still chasing a chance to get into the 53-player roster. And by being in a camp with a team, you hope that you're the next guy up when a guy goes down instead of them seeking out elsewhere to put you into the 53-man roster for any game, just one shot, to live your dream, to play in, in the show, so to speak. This is why we kind of discuss these things. You know, we don't have all that information. Regardless of how many actually stick, they will join an, a decent number of former XFL alums from 2020 iteration, right, to carry the XFL banner on the biggest stage in America's biggest league. All right. Got 66 players signed from 2023. Some of those guys are not going to make the mix, but they're going to join the likes of a bunch of 2020s Kenny Robinson, Tyler Heineke, PJ Walker, and company, right? There's other players. I'm not going to sit here and keep going down. I mean, I think, what was it, 17 somewhere? Was it was a number? It was a, not quite 20. They're going to continue being amongst those XFL ambassadors. Among those, is there any players? you anticipate making decent contributions to their respective National Football League teams for the 2023 NFL season? Oh, that's a tough one because it depends on the team that they're on. That's Because usually, like I said before, number one, you have to put the special teamers up first because that's definitely, you know, they're actually going to either kick the ball, punt the ball, or snap the ball. Uh, I'm more intrigued because we have to remember, like, I'm not surprised he was, it was more of a surprise how late he got signed. That was Jordan Tanamu for the Vikings. And I actually see more of an impact from Abram Smith, his DC defenders teammate than Jordan Tanamu. But I don't know if you're speaking that Kirk Cousins, I wouldn't call him like the best quarterback. So that's going to be quite interesting to see how that goes. And it's kind of hard because if I would have to think like, because I have to break this down to position, either offense, special teams, or defense. For example, Darius Shepard, he probably is going to be the punt returner to do other stuff for the Los Angeles Chargers. Then you have, man, it's kind of hard to remember all the players in all the NFL games are playing. There was like, because there was a lot of secondary players that made impact, whether it was tackling the quarterback intercepting the ball and all that stuff. So it's kind of hard to put just like one player on there, to be quite honest, Mike. Uh, I get it. It's unfair. It really is. I'm like, I'm putting you on a spot. One that I probably don't want to answer myself because, you know, well, I've tried looking down through there and whether it's people that were already in the league from 2020, that are still hanging around, still, you know, making rosters. A lot of guys are in new places. Heineke's no longer in Washington. Mm-hmm. PJ is no longer in Carolina. So we see guys shifting in new places. They're going to have to find their place within those teams. They still got to make those rosters. They're like anybody else. People anticipate PJ Walker is going to make the Chicago Bears. Well, PJ hasn't looked great in these preseason games. 
It's, not take a shot at him. You know, just when you see something like that, okay, if he hangs in there, well, everyone anticipates Fields having a big year, right? And I don't mean big as in he's going to be the next league MVP. They think he's going to make a significant leap in production and that that team's going to be significantly better because they anticipate him making that progress. So if that's the case, well, P.J. Walker, even if he makes the team, unless there's an injury, he's probably not going to see the field anyway, right? So P.J.'s not probably going to make that contribution. So just kind of looking now through, I don't necessarily know who it would be, but you're right. Looking at a Tom, Kirk Cousins may not be the best quarterback in the league, but statistically, he always seems to do all right. It's kind of tough to change that up. Jordan doesn't play the game the way that Kirk Cousins plays it. So if you're trying to play the game because your playbook is essentially set one way, well, Jordan isn't exactly that type of quarterback. So I don't see Jordan going to bench Cousins unless there's some crazy yeah. injury unless something goes completely off the haywire and they, they decided just yeah, so I mean, like, like the, there's some things that just don't look like easy to be like, well, I can't I just don't see that, don't see this. Yeah, cuz one example that you said with the injury would be like cuz Danucci is the backup for Russell Wilson, I believe as of right now, and Russell the way he plays now has a good higher range of getting injured, so we could see him do gatchy get him some playing time, but like I said, like I see Abram Smith making a better impact, not as the first back, but like as the second and third down back for the Minnesota Vikings. That's how I see it, but I could be wrong. Like, because once again, the scouts and the coaching for the NFL, like I'm not saying like the almighty guru of doing all this type of stuff here. It's just like sometimes it's like I said, like they get paid all this money doing this, but yet, I don't know, somehow you just feel like, they're getting paid all this money, but why do they make this type of decision? I have a feeling the players that probably will, and I'm not going to use just necessarily names. It might be some offense alignment. And right? those might, are usually the ones that don't get the, the credit and don't show the stats when you watch a game. Because like I said, they don't show sacks allowed, zero. That I only see, see that on actually the college back in the day NCAA video game of that being performed there. And they don't show that on television because TV execs pro- and the people there think, oh, they only care about the passing yards, receiving yards, or rushing yards, the sacks and the interceptions. No one really puts stats for offensive linemen. The only thing I've seen is starts. Okay. You can start, have so many starts, but have about the sacks allowed in there to show like, Oh, that's because the only other time you ever see offensive linemen get credit is like when they actually get voted in for the Pro Bowl, though I do have questions when it comes to the Pro Bowl voting nowadays. And it's like, okay, how did he get this Pro Bowl voting? Show his stats, like not just the starts, sacks allowed, the run block protection, pass blocking, like the percentages. Like we see better grades of offensive or pro football focus than we do on television from NFL stats nowadays. Yeah, it's it, it could be. Nico Lalos. It, it could be a guy like that if he can make the thing, but you know, you gotta be careful. It doesn't, preseason doesn't always translate into regular season. Mm-hmm. Just, it doesn't always do that because you gotta look at who you're up against. And, you know, we know some teams try in preseason. Mike Tomlin is one of the better teams. Heck, the Ravens just had their win streak in the preseason snapped by the commanders, but not every team actually goes out to win. Sometimes they're just trying some different things. They're trying to get a certain look, right? They don't scheme things or pre-plan their plays like they do for, you know, regular season games. So, I mean, I, I really try to take 
the preseason with a grain of salt, but I'm trying to also see where could I potentially see the guy that could. It's probably going to be offensive lineman. It's probably something we're not going to hear a whole lot about. So the reason why I ask that is in the end, what is this going to mean for the XFL? So you have 66 guys signed now. There's going to be only a certain number of them. They're going to latch on to 53-player rosters. Might even make a certain number that's going to make the practice squad. It sounds great having 66 players signed, but in the end, is it going to be any good publicity? Is it going to mean anything for these people that are diehard NFL fans that the XFL wants to kind of reel in and get them in the seats, get them to tune into those broadcasts? Is it really going to impact anything when it's all said and done? The NFL is biting in and maybe a little bit more involved in the XFL, but is it going to really change anything with its fans? Can you see any significant difference and changes that could benefit the XFL from this? There's two things when it comes to that, because I'm going to show because like how they expose it with the XFL, because I don't know, because remember, even though we got those two leagues, XFL and USFL, and depending on what teams are being broadcast for a good, you're going to know that if there's a Fox game and a USFL player is doing well, they're going to mention the USFL. And then also when it comes to like, unfortunately, it's only Monday night football, though I think we have about two Monday nights that are double or even the triple header, which is weird. And, you know, ESPN is going to definitely go to ensure like the XFL players get some exposure as well. It just depends how it's done. Of course, you got CBS and NBC being, oh, yeah, I also have to add Amazon to that, how they're going to put that in there. So, XFL games. So, you would think they'd be in that camp to help push that narrative because it could benefit them in the during the USFL season for the games they have. So, yeah, I mean, the XFL doesn't necessarily have as much, you know, it's not like the CBS game or the Fox game, you know, where there's more games multiple markets, you know, on, on a Sunday. So, ah, yeah, you're right. It, I don't know how beneficial and how much that'll get played up. I mean, there's always good storylines, but the player has got to really push for that and be in the forefront for any of them to really pick up on it, like to be forced to talk about it, right? Because we know last year that the spring football darn in the NFL was, of course, Turpin from Dallas, the former Generals USFL MVP in 2022. Of course, now we're going to see one thing that's going to happen. Does he increase or decrease? Because that's one thing, too, when it comes to like with next year's when it comes to XFL rosters, because this will be the first time. Remember, this is the first time the XFL is going to have their second season. But also that means that the players that are on those rosters as well. Their positions aren't safe either because you actually have each of those rosters. You have older players, too, like. A few of the players on the Battlehawks came from Anthony Beck's and Bowler's experience with the San Diego fleet with the AAF. And now they're actually getting now the more younger crop of people that missed in this draft and maybe a few drafts before that didn't come on last year's roster. And Beck already said that he needs more speed when it comes to receiving core and speed and power when it comes to the defensive line. So there's, it's another way to say younger in a way, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see because I know with your Guardians that you cover that they are already having a huge turnover because I can't recall what article it was that the head coach mentioned that they mostly had players that 
uh, had experience but didn't play for three to two years, and now they're changing it up for this year's squad. It was the Orlando Sentinels article by Beasley. I can't think of her first name, but the journalist uh, Beasley, Vesley, he was quoted in it saying that he's looking to do an overhaul, right? And what does that mean, number of players? Who knows? But it means we're going to see some changes. He said that he even was looking at, you know, even a bunch of young players at one point because he thought he was building for the future. And he thought maybe he didn't have enough veterans, but he even thought the veterans he had got, he mentioned, didn't play enough. And they were kind of, took a while to kind of get in. So he said that he thought he had this right mixture when in reality, he says it didn't quite play out the way that he envisioned it to play out. So yes, there's going to be an overhaul. We already saw how they changed their coaching staff a little bit. You know, obviously coach Ford was OC, was calling plays, but then all of a sudden the quarterback coach, Shane Matthews was calling plays. So Again, fundamental shifts, right? Wherever you see it could also mean like, well, I'm not saying Coach Ford is out, but if they're going to do some overhaul, it doesn't mean some of the coaching positions are going to do overhaul. doesn't mean now if we do that, we're looking at maybe a different playbook, looking for a different type of personnel for that. Again, so we know there's a number of things, and we even know that even if a large number of these 66 players that sign National Football League contracts don't end up on a 53-player roster or practice squad. There's no guarantee that they end up back on their XFL teams. Their XFL teams hold their rights, but within the XFL. But those contracts, if anyone's been keeping up on them, every time this player goes to sign, says XFL contract has been terminated. It allows them to go sign. So it doesn't mean like, okay, there's just an out, and then as soon as they're out, they're back. No, that contract's terminated. It means they can go to the USFL, the CFL. They can go wherever. You know, if this IFA takes off, whoever's paying money, wherever they think they have an opportunity to get that next thing. So it's not a guarantee these guys come back anyway. So there is going to be an overhaul, whether yeah, the coaches want it or not. It's coming. It is definitely yeah, going to come. A good example would be actually because the USFL had that same exact problem. Of course, their contracts are a bit weird, like they're unionized with the steelworkers, so uh, the one criticism I have with that, because like, let's be clear, the XFL players try to unionize with the same steel workers, but that failed. But if, if we're taking a coach from Parker Romo, because he said this, they actually want to have the union associate with the NFL Players Association. And I was wondering why, but then I looked up like, oh, that's why, because see, some of the stuff the steel U- workers union did with the UFFLPA rules, it's not really coach friendly. One is... The off-season limit for the XFL right now is 90 players. USFL, it's like 55 to 58, and it's like, why is that that low? Because that doesn't give a lot of competition. That doesn't give a lot of, like, that gives a lot more of veterans to stay put, but it doesn't help the team or coaches to find better talent in order to say, is that actually the best talent you can find for your team in order to win? So that's one thing to look for to see if they do get unionized before the second season. And the one thing that, because the one, when you say again, it's for the XFL, I think that happens more with year two as well. Cause the one thing is to like, as they say, as Danny and the rock said, it's a league of opportunity, but it's also a league of redemption, if you will. And the one that comes to my mind, when I compare 2020 to, to 2023 down to 2024, it's because we had there's some players like it wasn't because of talent, but uh, some other off the field issues that wasn't their fault. That, of course, if people know and talk about it, 2020, that was Sean Oakman. 
right. that all that whole ordeal he had to all that money he had to spend in order to prove, and he proved it in court to get his name. And now he did play for the LA Wildcats. Now he's with the Toronto Argos in the CFL right now. In that case, we actually have a well. One, we don't know. We could have two. One is actually for a player that the Orlando Guardians got, which is a local player in that area, Travis Rudolph. And though, like, and for those that do know that name, because he did, he did play with the New York Giants, and then due to injury got cut, and then he was going to play with the CFL. Then, just to minimize, I'll just say, a certain incident happened, and that delayed his development. And his case was actually more of the more viewed, not with just lawyers on YouTube and also got on sports news and stuff. And he was able to get cleared of everything. But when you go look for everything that he, that he went through and the investigation, you're wondering, how the heck did this guy get screwed so bad in order to prove his name? And now this is a now the Atlanta Gardens got his rights. And if I recall, his social media, he posted again and again because there were some people that they said they got the rights to. And they said, I'm not playing for them. But. That's how it usually goes with some rights. That happened for both USFL and XFL, even with their college draft that they had a few months ago with the USFL. Of course, those players were still in the NFL combine, which was still kind of weird. So the XFL, like if Travis Rudolph does make it to a squad, that's a storyline that they can do is that, well, and try. that's one thing I kind of hope they do because they had that whole player 54. Is that the reality one that they did? Or am I thinking of a different name? Because team or something like that yeah i can't remember what the little ca- caption is afterwards but player 54 yeah because one thing i would like to see make sure maybe there's a certain player for each team that has like a certain redemption story or something like that to get into that show a little bit more that's something i would like to see that would give a little bit more of a different story as well because sure it's football and stuff, but you also want to get some other type of eyes onto your product because like here st louis we're fine <laughs> you know that Orlando, you guys are getting better. Your guy, your director of ticket sales, Corey, he's doing good. We have a same similar guy too with Dan. And of course, we're still waiting on the Houston and Las Vegas situation with their season tickets. Cause if I remember correct, cause you talked about, cause Orlando might have a renovation problem in two years. And while well, the university of Houston having their renovations, of course, technically, St. Louis with the Dome has some renovation, but that's more of the convention center and not the Dome itself that's going on right now. So that's interesting to see how that happens. Of course, if I want to go outside of the league, University of Memphis, half of its stadium is going to be renovated during season three. So they're only going to have about half about what they're going to have shown on Fox uh, next year when the Memphis Showboats play. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, the only thing, if it's not TV, the XFL just make sure to get exposure. Social media, have they done? They need to do more on Facebook, in my opinion, because the one thing that the St. Louis did, in my opinion, I'm just speaking as a St. Louis, like, it's not a homer, but it's more of a fact thing. We had a lot of groups that stayed in touch, especially with, like, the XFL coming back and stuff. They need to make sure they try to get into those groups that's what Corey did with the director ticket sales to make sure that future season tickets current season ticket holders be able to know what's going on and fans because like the one thing that was kind of weird for the home opener for the battle hawks there was a there's a place called uncle bill's it's like a breakfast staple in the st louis area i had battle hawks gear on along with my brother going into the home opener 
And there was a guy there said, Hey, is that for the new soccer team for the new MLS team? I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> even though St. Louis city SC is doing very well right now. It's like, that tells you what their marketing with the XFL, like it's not as good as it was in 2020. Cause they didn't have much of the grassroots stuff. Of course. I remember it was odd that Danny Garcia did a press cut about the Orlando gardens about what is it like two to three weeks before the season started. Yeah. Everyone has anticipated some big announcement at the stadium. But in the end, all it was was reiterating that they were coming to Orlando and playing at Camping World Stadium. It was essentially a nothing. It was a, they must have felt that their sales were lacking in Orlando. They must have felt like they didn't have enough buzz. So they thought that this type of announcement, this event, was going to do that. Well, I'm not saying it didn't make an impact. I don't think it makes any sort of impact that they had hoped for that they had anticipated. So I agree. And I mean, we can dive into their whole marketing strategies and stuff, but I mean, that's, man, that could be an entire episode in and of itself. And I'm not trying to be smart. I mean, it's because good, bad or ugly. I mean, I think there are some things they do good, but I think there's a lot of opportunity and the opportunity could take a while to really discuss, but you know, looking at the product and the players and stuff. And I, I think, I think they hit a home run. I think they did it right with getting the players coaching staff. Yeah. Okay. They had a lot of rookie head coaches or first year head coaches. However you want to say it. And I think some of them maybe didn't quite know what it was going to be to be a head coach. You know, yes, you've been in plenty of teams as a player and even some of these guys were in various levels of coaching before, but I don't think they were ready to actually not only be a head coach, but also completely starting from scratch and guys like Bob Stoops had a leg up on him and he had the Hayes brothers, which also had a leg up, you know, from XFL 2020. And it's not just experience with coaching. It's the fact they had his experience building rosters from scratch and going into these camps that were shortened and stuff. Coach Buckley didn't have that. He may have been on coaching staffs, the collegiate level in various positions and stuff. So it's not that he didn't have any experience. And yes, he's won a Super Bowl in the past. And okay. But it's not the same experience. Coach Becht, actually did a phenomenal job because he also had a first-year OC. You know, I'm not saying they didn't have some experience coaching at the high school levels and stuff like they had. And I think Coach Beck actually had was a tight end coach with the AAFs. Um, can't think of the team off the top of my head. San Diego Fleet. And here's the thing. When you're part of coaching tree of one of the best offensive minds in Mike March, you definitely learned something or caught someone's eye. I will say that. And... Believe it or not, Mike Martz actually lives here now in St. Louis, so that he'll probably be at more games this and next year. So, yeah, of course, I will say, even though the Battlehawks did well this year, I will say they did, like, you know how the people go with, like, did this team under or overperform or stay at the end? My opinion, because we have to remember those first two games with St. Louis, they overperformed, especially with that miraculous comeback, and then there was that winning field goal kick. But one thing, too, is like when you say they need to get more exposure with the XFL, one thing I hope they do this ESPN or any of their stuff, they need to do like just maybe do like a little like 15, 30 second things during Monday night, like XFL, get this, or like, hey, the XFL is coming back and put like those little taglines at the bottom of the screen, which I hope they do. Then again, Fox didn't really do it and they own the, own the USFL, which was kind of odd, but Moose will probably do something to recognize it when he's doing commentating for some games, you would think. 
Because right now, I think, like, I'm seeing, like, more that they're trying to do more of the grassroots approach this year. Don't you see that? Or have they been going to more of the local stuff for in Orlando? Like, I know at St. Louis, they did the taste of the STL, had a tent there. And Beck and actually Brandon William is actually supposed to be part of the charity event here for brothers and sisters here this weekend. Yeah, I've seen plenty of things on social media where they're at various uh, you know festivals or whatever are going on that they have a canopy popped up and they, they're there with, you know, mer- I don't want to say merchandise, but they have like a jersey and a helmet on there and they obviously got a bunch of literature. And, you know, obviously they're trying to connect with people for tickets, season tickets. But I mean, I, I think the thing that would help them would be get the schedule out much sooner. And I'm not trying to act like it be out today because it, it's, it's pretty early. But I think if you're at some of these events, and especially if you start linking up with football, with high school football being around the corner or these college events, if you're going, if you're Orlando and you're at the University of South Florida, but heck, uh, you know, I mean, Central Florida, but South Florida, it doesn't hurt to be out in the Tampa area. It doesn't hurt to be out at Bethune-Cookman, out in Daytona Beach, because those people are all within driving distance, right? If you get your schedule out and you have things that people can start having an idea when they're looking to do things, yeah. Get it out there. Even if they don't buy right away and they get the literature and they have the dates, they can start marking their calendar. It'll help. But I mean, so it doesn't have to be the Orlando Guardians. It could be anybody, right? It could be any team. I think grassroots is important. It's not as expensive. It's very real when you're connecting face-to-face and having conversations. And, uh, you know, it's one thing that somebody might not have been aware of it, but now you can actually have a deeper conversation as to what is it? Okay, well, now that I know, and now it feels much more real. It's much more tangible other than just, did you catch the one com- you know, the one commercial on television? Because that may have been like the time you're using the restroom, right? That might have been the time you're grabbing a snack or whatever you're watching. So I don't know if I wanted to see more advertising, like a lot of money spent in that. Of course, you need to do some of it if you do it wisely. But I think it's, it's the grassroots. It's why, why 2020 was actually pretty successful. They did all that. And I think it's what, they really need to, to dive into, but, um, you know, we could talk all night. I know my wife would probably not care for that so much. <laughs> I, I am a little bit later in the evening than you are. So, you know, Will, it, it has been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to come out to the show to discuss this increasing number of XFL 2023 players signing National Football League contracts and its likely impact on the XFL. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'll say this, like, because you know one thing, it just seems to happen. If things happen with the NFL, just somehow spreads into the other worlds of football nowadays, of course. It's kind of funny now, if you think about it, because it's NFL, you're starting to recognize it. And I'll just say this, because the way that college football landscape has changed, I can't recognize it anymore. I just can't. <laughs> I can understand the NFL college football because, like, we know how NFL wants money, college football wants money, and they have basically thrown all their traditions out. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I went through it being a season ticket holder for the Syracuse University back when they left the Big East or joined the ACC. That was tough then because there's a lot of rivalries. And it's and I know everyone will talk about, oh, the Big East was really a you know basketball conference. Everyone mocks the ACC as a basketball conference now anyway, but it's just like, you know, people, there's way more to that. You know, it's if you're just a college football fan and you see that, okay, you don't realize how much 
history is still tied there. You don't have to be Alabama winning national championships to understand there's still a lot of history that people gravitate towards the football program. Now I understand attendance has been bad, but they've had some bad teams for a while. That doesn't mean the people that do show up are not passionate. There's a lot of passionate people that just refuse to go to the games because they just feel like they don't have the right head coaches, but they're vocal. If you're in Syracuse medias and stuff like that, you'll know it's a football market and they'll watch their team. They just may not go and watch it at the dome, but I mean, they put money into the facility. So it's not like they're an FCS school. I think some of these people kind of lose, you know, not realize that Syracuse put a brand new field house up when I was up there and always constantly put money in that. So it's a, it's the basketball program's not getting that type of money. Carmelo Anthony had to donate money so they could get a basketball facility built for training. The football team didn't need to wait for NFL alumni to come in to donate that money. The school was putting in the money. So I'm like, I don't know what some of these people think basketball schools, just because a basketball team has had more success as of recent years and final fours in 2003, winning a national championship. I mean, or the people at Syracuse are confused. Uh, it, you would think it would be like more like North Carolina and Duke, but apparently not. Uh, <laughs> that is if anyone's been to Syracuse university and you're walking to the dome, what's the statue sitting outside? Is there anybody that, Play basketball? No? No? Just do some research. I'm going to ask those people. Tell me Syracuse is not a football school. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to let, let some people dig a little deeper. Somebody, if they want to hit me up in you know social media or whatever, drop me an email, whatever. That's just whatever. But tell me Syracuse is not a football school. Tell, tell me that number 44 history doesn't go further than Derek Coleman and guys wearing it. It goes way deeper than that. Tell me the number that is coveted in Syracuse isn't tied to football. It's 100% tied to football. So anyway, that's not what we're here for, Will. You know, I do appreciate you coming on, but before I let you go, why don't you go ahead and take a moment and let people know where they could find you, you know, on social media and uh, whatever work you might have going on. Uh, yes, I'm on I'm W Freeman 87 on Twitter, Will Freeman on Facebook, Big Will freeman 87 on instagram uh right now i'm doing stuff for gateway city sports uh kind of do a little bit more like not just xfl because like i said i like football all around like probably cover some more like high school in the local area and definitely with the return arena football league and strangely the arena football landscape has increased tremendously within the last two years heck uh duluth just announced their new team called the harbor monsters (laughs) which is actually one of the best names I have ever heard in my life for for a sports team ever. So it kind of beats that whole trash panda thing with minor league baseball right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely an understatement. There are a plethora of arena leagues. You know, we think we have a lot of uh, you know professional outdoor leagues now in the spring. Man, there is a plethora of arena leagues. And, you know, more and more teams pop up. It's, it's definitely a good thing. But, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I... I recommend everyone kind of take a moment find him and follow and check out his work you know there's a reason why will and i just always communicate back and forth in the dms he's worthwhile trust me i I vouch for you will (laughs) yeah of course the funny thing is i'm like i don't really try to like bring attention myself just tweet stuff and heck this week all of a sudden the big uh, following nfl rumors twitter account followed me for some reason i'm like well thanks for the follow uh (laughs) 
but stays like what I do. And I like, I do this for fun and more informative stuff. And like anytime with big football news happens, I'll try to report it and stuff. And I can't wait to do stuff more locally here. So watch out for it. All right. We'll do so. Thank you. Will. There are several of alternative football media members who have dedicated countless hours to cover and support the XFL. Having will finally appear on the show and get his thoughts on XFL matters is a treat. It is important to connect with dedicated grassroots media like Will. Without their work, it is possible the XFL brand would not be alive and well today. This week, National Football League teams are trimming their 90-player rosters down to the required 53-player roster. XFL coaches and personnel will be keeping a close eye on those players who are not part of the 53-player roster or practice roster. Hundreds of players will be available, and several of these players are likely to join XFL 2024 rosters. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.